Hello and welcome to For the Love of Truth. I'm really pleased that today I have another Back to Hell story to share with you. I've not done one of these since July 2021. I can't believe that it's been 18 months already. The reason I've not done any more is not because I didn't want to, it's just that I didn't have the source material to create another story with. Anyway, thankfully, Paul wrote to me on the 20th of December and wanted to share his story. Now, I'm going to read you an email that he sent to me, and then I'm going to drop straight into the interview or the discussion, really, that we had last night, which was absolutely fascinating. And I would encourage you to listen carefully to some of the very powerful insights that he got on his journey back to health. Hi, Adrian. I've been watching your YouTube vids for a while now with great interest, but today is my first trip to your website. I was talking to a new acquaintance regarding distilled water, and he pointed me in your direction. I look forward to reading up on your views. My healing journey may be of interest to you. I've cured a nasty case of Crohn's disease that did its best to kill me. Over a 20-year period, I went from what I thought was healthy to severely ill and back to rude health. I discovered the world of natural healing and learned how my body actually works and that most doctors know absolutely nothing whatsoever about health. I realized over time that most things in the world are an inversion and that I'd been led to believe that my disease was without a cure. I now firmly believe that most disease is absolutely reversible if the body and mind are given what they need to express health. Anyway, thought you might find that little healing story of interest. You see, it's men like you who offer a different perspective that help men like me do allegedly impossible things. Please keep up the good work. Best wishes to you, Paul. Now, thank you for that last paragraph, because that really, it means a lot to me, Paul. Thank you. And what was also lovely was that he pointed out to me last night that he's not explained this story to anyone other than his wife. So you and I are the first, really, to hear this story. And he tells it in such a a captivating way. I mean, there were points where I was nearly in tears. There was other points where I could hardly contain my laughter because of the way he was telling the story. So I hope you enjoyed this discussion as much as I do. And I hope that if you have this kind of problem, that you'll get some hope from this, that there are things you can do. And I'm also pleased that Paul said that he's willing for me to share his email address if you want to reach out to him. So I'm not going to put that on the YouTube uh, comments or sorry, description, but in there will be a link back to the webpage associated to this webpage on my website. So that if you do want to reach out to Paul, you can contact him. And with that in mind, you are amazing. And I'm really looking forward to our next discussion. Take care of yourself. Goodbye. Paul, thank you so much for taking the time out of your evening to join us. No worries, no worries. Thank you very much for taking the time to chat. That's all right. We had a, we had a good old chinwag the other night. Really enjoyed that. We did, we did, we did. <laughs> Excellent. Could have gone on and on. I, well, yeah, and I suspect there'll be more as well, which is lovely. You reached out to me and were telling me some about your experience with Crohn's. That's right, yeah. And I was very pleased when you said you'd be willing to come in here and share your story and what you've done about it. Yeah, for sure. I guess start at the beginning. New Year's Day 2001, after a typically large night out, as we do, I got up the next day feeling pretty rough, kind of put it down to a kind of standard hangover, but my guts were a bit... So I went to the loo, and then when I wiped, there was blood all over the tissue, and I was... 
you know, obviously scared. And I looked in the bowl and it was like a murder scene. I was like, oh, okay. So I've finally, you know, partied too hard and <laughs> just destroyed myself. And it was, it was frightening. I didn't know what was going on. I had discomfort, not, not pain, but discomfort. Uh, so it was over the Christmas period. So there were no doctors open or anything. So I just had to kind of wait it out. And it was playing on my mind. You know, what was this? What what had, what had happened to me? You know, did I have bowel cancer or, you know, something terrible like that? So eventually, when the doctors reopened, went to the doctors and he was like, he said, okay, well, we're going to, you know, he was quite dismissive. We'll send you for some tests. So off I went to the hospital, uh, blood tests kind of bit of chit chat nothing much and then they came back and said you've got ulcerative colitis that was what I was originally diagnosed with never heard of it before so I went back to my GP and they said oh yeah it's relatively common it's an incurable disease you know but we have a, a good range of drugs for you to take uh, I was like oh, oh yeah hold on a minute it's an incurable have, have I suddenly got an incurable disease so, yeah, the the fear levels started to build, and I did the worst thing I could possibly do, which is went home and Googled it. Uh, okay, so I'll be dead by the time I'm 40, will I? Great. Yeah, that's, that's, that's nice news to hear. And how old were you at the time? Uh, I was 25. Right. So there I am, uh, back in my, my flat in Birmingham, and I'm, I'm, I'm scared, you know, I've, I've got some incurable disease that is quote-unquote genetic mm-hmm. uh, so I started my started kind of researching it and all the things I read online was, <laughs> was just doom and gloom uh, and I was like okay okay I'll deal with this but I've got these tablets so I've got some some NSAIDs some anti-inflammatory tablets I take six of these a day uh, and I'll be fine okay so so I'll start taking them. And sure enough, the symptoms are suppressed. You know, the, the hmm. inflammation is is dampened down. Um, the bleeding reduced and, and stopped, which is great. I thought, okay, so I'll, I'll take these tablets for the rest of my life. Fine. I, c- I can live with that based on what I knew at the time. Uh, now, I, I, you know, I came from a family whereby you don't question doctors. They are second only to God. <laughs> and uh, so I, I I took these tablets, not really thinking too much more about it, and kind of got on with my life, uh, and really just tried to, to kind of live as normally as possible. I didn't change any habits. I was still partying hard and eating crap. And uh, time went on, and I found I could reduce the dose of these tablets because. I did start to notice side effects, you know, I just didn't, I couldn't put my finger on it, but I just didn't feel right. Just, I just couldn't really define what it was. So I, I worked out that I could kind of start dropping the dose each day. And I got, I got down to two tablets. I was like, okay, well, that's, you know, that's better. And I was, I was feeling better. I was still really, really busy. I was running a dot com in, in Birmingham with a, a team of people. And it was full on pressure. It was it was very hard work and hard partying, basically. And 
the the drugs started to lose their efficacy. So the symptoms started to return. So I would up the dose again and then kind of start to feel the effects, the negative effects. Um, and my, my life was kind of rumbling along like that for quite a while. And then I met my partner, my, my now wife, and she fell pregnant within a month. So all of a sudden, my life started to change quite significantly, as you can imagine. <laughs> at, at the same time, my, my business was collapsing. I was under investigation from the DTI. Not that I'd done anything, but it turns out that my then business partner was doing stuff which wasn't quite legitimate, should we say. I continued, uh, but I was I was really starting to, you know, be quite ill. You know, I was I was going to the loo a lot, you know, kind of six, seven, eight, nine, ten times a day, loose bowel movements, bit of blood, not not every time, but kind of quite quite regularly. And then that carried on for, for quite a while. And I and I because I was kind of busy and, and very, very active, I didn't really notice the decline because you, you just kind of get used to it every day. But I was really, I was, you know, on a, on a kind of downward trajectory. And then skipping forward a few years and quite a lot of stress and moving house six times. And I got really, really poorly. I'd lost a ton of weight and I kind of hit crisis point. So I was broke. My relationship with my missus was pretty dire. I had a new baby and really life was just getting on top of me really, really badly. And it was it was a kind of big kind of collection of stressors that were making things worse for me. The drugs were losing their efficacy uh, and, and the doctors were trying to push me onto harder and harder and stronger and heavier drugs, which I was reluctant to do because of the massive side effects. Um, we'll be back after a quick break. Welcome to the Alchemy of Natural Healing. I'm your host, Laurel Dewey. True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel, but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. Isn't it funny, by the way, they call them side effects when they're just direct effects of the drugs? Well, they are effects. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've, I've always thought that's strange. And they were talking about these different drugs, so I would go and look them up, and then you know you you read the list of effects, and it's you know kind of you know there's there's a hundred different things that are all bad, you know, and you know, third one down, death, you know, it's like, <laughs> okay, you know, so I, I'm, I'm kind of, not only am I, am I scared about my life, but I'm scared about the potential of the only route being to to go on these super heavy drugs, you know, the biologics they refer to them as. And I reached crisis point and I was basically bedridden. And 
a strange thing started to happen. I couldn't raise my left leg. Okay. And because I was getting, I was getting pain, and I thought, well, this is, you know, this is to do with the, the disease. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm degenerating. And I mean, you're still a relatively young man at this point. Yeah, yeah. So I was, uh, yeah, in my late twenties then. And you know, I, I, you know, was growing. I've always been really, you know, into sports, into riding bikes and skateboarding and things like that. So I, you know. And now I was, you know, just a kind of withered husk lying in bed, not being able to lift his leg. So, was, you know, my life was really falling apart. I can, I can laugh about it now because I'm, because I'm well, you know. And but uh, yeah, at the time it was, it was dreadful. And my, my missus said, "We've just got to take you to the doctors. You know, this is, this has just gone too far." Yeah. So I booked in to see the doctor. Now, quite by chance, my doctor was on holiday, and there was, a, there was a locum doctor in. And I went in and, you know, <laughs> he took one look at me. It was just like, mate, yeah, this has gone too far. Uh, and he was examining me and lifting my legs. I was, I was focusing on this leg business. And he said, okay. And he just sat down and he, he was just writing for ages. And he just handed me this letter. And he said, take this, go immediately to A&E and get booked in there because I think you've got a massive abscess. And, and so I've got an abscess now as well. <laughs> Great. And um, so, so we turn up to A&E and they did an MRI scan and I had an abscess the size of a tennis ball, basically, where my large intestine had perforated some time previously and an abscess had formed to try and contain the, you know, the infection. So what then had to happen was... They had to drain this abscess. So they went in through my back with a great big fat needle with no anesthetic. They said, Why does this sound horribly uncomfortable? <laughs> oh, it, it was. <laughs> I mean, I've got, I've, got, I've got a kind of catalogue of most painful experiences, and this one this one's right up there. Now, because, of, because it was so near my spine, what they had to do was I had to be in and out of an MRI machine and stay completely still for the entire procedure. So they had to feed this needle in a little bit and then send me back in, rescan me, back out again, feed it in a bit more. And this, so kind of four or five scans I had to get this, to get this drain in. Oh, good God. So they could then drain it out my back. Yeah. Um, which also meant I couldn't lie on my back for about a month, which was terrible you know so i had this kind of tap sticking out my back and this kind of real nasty kind of <laughs> green muck kind of gently kind of oozing out which was an interesting experience this is all while i'm you know still got the bowel disease raging and you know so i'm hobbling hobbling to the to the loo kind of you know 20 times a day because i didn't want to do the whole bedpan thing and you know so I had all this kind of collection of horrible things happening. So I was in hospital for, for ages. And they said, okay, well, we've, we've reduced the, the abscess to a safe level. So now we can operate. And I was like, op, op, operate? This is the first time this has been mentioned to me. And then they said, yes, we're going we're gonna to cut your guts out. And I was, oh, <laughs> sorry, you're going to cut my guts out? 
you're just going to just walk in and just tell me you're going to cut my guts out. Can we have a conversation about this? So, so my fear levels went through the roof, you know, you know, what, you know, so the idea was they're going to cut my guts out and I was going to have a stoma. So stoma being kind of an outlet for your, for your, your intestines and you wear a bag. So you don't use your bowl anymore. I'm kind of in my late twenties and I'm thinking, this is what, this is what happens to old people. You know, you know, how am I going to live like that? Just, you know, so, so I was totally scared. Um, Understandably so. Quite. Yeah. Um, my, my family and friends think I'm a nutcase anyway, because I, you know, I don't like to do what I'm told, you know, in, in, unless I, unless I know that it's, that it's true. Because I've, you know, been rejecting these stronger and stronger drugs, and they just they they thought I was mad, even though they were supporting me. You know, they, it's not like they just ditched me. You know, they obviously they were visiting hospital, and they were they were they were, you know, really concerned for me. And it was only really my my wife that stuck by me and, and thought this is this isn't right. This you know, so I was in hospital, and because I was so scared, and they just sprung this on me that they were going to cut my guts out. I checked myself out. I had to sign all these forms, you know, you know, all these waivers and, you know, whatnot. And then um, one of the one of the cardiologists, uh, sorry, um, one of the gastroenterologists, poked his head round the door and said, "We'll see you in a few days." I kind of really kind of like this, and I was just like, just I just wanted to punch the guy, but he was right, you know. So I went back home and it, I just got worse and worse and. I went back in and I had to have the operation ultimately to to save my life because I was I would have died. What kind of state did that leave you in? <sighs> you know, emotionally. Pretty desperate. Pretty desperate. Because that, you know, they they don't give you any options. It's not like, oh well, you know, there's these other things we can do. It was it was, it was this has to happen or you die. It's your it's your choice. Oh, so you you've got plan A and that's it. Yeah. Plan A, and that's it, precisely. Or Plan C, actually, Plan Cut. Well, yeah, Plan Plan C. So I had the op, and I woke up kind of lying on this bed, and I just, I was like a mummy, because because they they cut me basically from my sternum down down to my pelvis and kind of, you know, cut everything out. And they, had, you know, obviously they're slicing through the muscles, and they, and they, and it was, you know, later on the surgeon said it was a real mess in there, you know, so because 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 my my bowels had perforated, and you know, and it was all just a tangled mess. And I woke up in this big kind of like bandage, just flat on my back, not being able to move, in searing pain. But I thought, oh, I'm a, I'm actually alive. <laughs> this is good news <laughs> even though it was horrible and and i was kind of drifting in and out of consciousness because the, the meds were still wearing off meanwhile my my wife was just in pieces because i was in a bad state i was i was under the knife for for nearly 10 hours wow so it was a huge operation and i was you know they, they said i was lucky to lucky to survive because it was you know it was a real it was a real bad case. So moving forward a bit, I kind of spent a few weeks, six weeks recovering in hospital, was able to get out of hospital on Christmas Eve, which was nice because 
everyone was saying to me, don't stay in hospital over Christmas. <laughs> Most people die over Christmas in hospital. <laughs> so like, I've got to get out. And, you know, by this time I'm, I've been in for weeks and I was, I just wanted to, you know, okay. So I've got these new set of conditions to deal with, with having the, the stoma bag and it's radically changed my life, but I am alive. Great. Okay. That's one positive I can take. And a wife hasn't left me <laughs> close, but hasn't left me. And I can see my daughter again. Fantastic. Right. And, you know, my, my family were pleased, obviously, that I survived and, uh, you know, they wanted to see me recover. And they were still pushing the idea that I've got to go on to these stronger and stronger drugs. So over the course of the next few months, I, I bounced back quite quickly. I got used to kind of dealing with the new kind of medical kit I had to deal with every day, even though the the stoma itself was recessed. So I was, there was issues with the skin round the edge and bags failing. And, you know, I'm starting to try and get back into work. And it's kind of like I'm sitting in a meeting with clients and I'm thinking, shitting myself <laughs> and i'm like i i you know and i'm starting to smell it and like, i've got to get i've got to go find any excuse i can to get out of here and go and change this freaking equipment so lots of lots of stories like that of ridiculousness that's a hell of an adjustment to to how you would normally conduct your life isn't it well it, well, it is it is a complete adjustment but but what it did mean is i was able to start doing things that I did before that I didn't, you know, I didn't have the strength to do, you know, back riding bikes, you know, and, and, you know, dossing around doing fun things, you know, which is great because I thought, okay, I haven't lost everything in my life, even though my life had effectively been totally destroyed, business destroyed, you know, new baby, you know, it was just, it was, it was in an intense period, but I started to regain strength, uh, started a new, a new business. At that time, I hadn't really done anything towards looking for different options, but it, it, was my, it was my wife that kind of hit upon the, the whole world of natural healing. And we'd kind of been a bit suspicious about the whole medical world because my daughter was vaccine damaged and we started looking into vaccines. And if anyone's looked into vaccines properly and gone down that rabbit hole, you, you kind of realise that things ain't always what they seem with what you're told by the professionals, the experts. So my wife said, look, I've been looking at this stuff and I think there might be, you know, a different, a different route, which, which was music to my ears because in, in the hospital, the doctor said, we can't do anything more for you. And you can't within the paradigm of their training. Not at all. You could, no, because because they're they're not looking at causality. They're looking to suppress symptoms. That's that's you know that's what started to become apparent to me. So like, well, hold, well, you know, hold on a minute. You say it's an incurable disease, yet when I ask you what causes it, you don't know. So how can you say it's incurable if you don't know what causes it? You know, could it be that if we can find the cause, we can reverse it. Is that even a possibility? No, 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 absolutely not. We're the experts. You know, this has been studied. Uh, there are millions of studies. Those are powerful questions. You know, the, the what-if questions are extraordinary if you use them like you did. Yeah, that, absolutely. But the, uh, the thing is, doctors don't like to be questioned. 
you know the the main the main surgeon who I mean he, he ultimately he saved my life so I can't I can't really diss him <laughs> but uh he you know he was so bear in mind this is a major teaching hospital in the prestigious hospital in the UK and he's the top dog and and to be fair he is very good at what he does if you know how to use a knife you're going to look for everything to be knife suitable <laughs> exactly yeah and and you know he he loves cutting people up and he loves prescribing drugs although he doesn't take drugs himself i, I had had an interesting conversation <laughs> with him about that <laughs> he said he won't even take paracetamol and his family takes the piss out of him because of it how very telling mm it's quite <laughs> so doesn't, doesn't that sound like little alarm bells going in your head when you have those discussions like hmm <laughs> well exactly yeah it's you know so so you know on the one hand he's saying you know you you've got to take this you know and if that doesn't work we can we can put you onto this and if that doesn't work we can put you onto this and it's you know ever increasing strength yeah, and you say to him would oh, you like to try and he's like no thanks <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like well you know you don't even take paracetamol <laughs> So, <laughs> why? Um, I lost my train of thought. Then I'm sorry. He was, he was talking about ever increasing drugs and no choices. Yes, because they'd said we can't do anything more for you unless you unless you take these drugs. You know that was that was what was the real kind of fork in the road. And then my wife discovered a, a doctor in America called Dr. David Klein, who's been quite important in my life. And I read his book, which is called um, Self-Healing Colitis and Crohn's. He was a doctor that, that had ulcerative colitis himself and completely reversed it and also reversed his wife's disease and set up a clinic. Uh, he was then hounded out of the US and ended up in Hawaii. Um, so I bought his book and I, and I read this and I was like, I don't believe it, you know, because because the full weight of the best people in the NHS have said there's no cure, you know, and, and I'd grown up in this family whereby you didn't question doctors, you know, I've a, I've a French mother and, and in France it's, you know, it's a national sport to take pills, you know, it's anything, you can take a pill, brilliant, you know, I'm sure they just take pills even when they're well, you know. So it took me a while to kind of get my head around the fact that this was even possible. And I started to do the protocol and I, I, I noticed a change. I was like, what? Hold on a minute. Is it, this is actually starting to work. This, could this actually be real? So then I thought, right, well, I, I need to learn more about this. So, so that's what started, you know, basically 15 years of research of, of just hoovering up as much information as I can about how how this machine actually works you know it's the most the most exquisite machine ever created yeah that's completely self-healing it, it, precisely i mean at the time i didn't i didn't fully understand that you know it was it, this you know i was just the first seeds of of learning well and hope as well well yeah exactly you know can, can i can i turn my life around you know Yes, I'm I'm dealing with having to wear a medical device probably for the rest of my life, but can I actually, you know, can I get back to rude health, you know? So I started to put these protocols in place and and change 
the way I was living my life and I was seeing good effects, but I never quite mastered it and, and quite got it going properly to, to fully reduce the disease. I was still getting, you know, some symptoms and, and pressures of life. You know, I was, I was running a photography business. Well, there, there are very direct links between your health, your state of mind and your body. They're all completely interconnected. Absolutely, yeah, and it's and it's it's the stressors you see. So uh, there's a there's a great doctor called Dr. John Bergman in America, and he and he sums it up brilliantly. He he talks about physical, chemical, and emotional stress, and the thing about it is the body behaves the same way for all three. So I was just starting to learn this, and 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 it was it was difficult to to put into practice fully what I was learning about because of my entrenched programming from my <laughs> childhood trauma and on all the stuff that happens in your life and your behaviors, which are set really early on. So it was, you know, it was, I was still falling, you know, into temptation, you know, it's, oh, it's only a burger, you know, <laughs> you know yeah. it's only, it's only a pack of crisps, can of Pepsi, you know, that was, that was my main downfall. You know, I'd finish, finish, a sh finish a shoot at 2am in London. It's like, right. Well, the only thing open is McDonald's, you know, so I'm going to go there and fill myself up with that filth. You know. It was really difficult to break that cycle. So I, I actually started to go downhill again. And it was, you know, the, my, my stress levels were extreme. And I was, you know, trying to, to deal with this new way of living and relationship problems and second child <laughs> On you know, <laughs> on the way, and then another step change, and and I started to go really downhill. Uh, and again, my wife came to the rescue. You know, she said, "Right, you know, we got women are extraordinary creatures for that." Yeah, right. Uh, yes, and maybe one day you'll meet my wife, and you'll understand how amazing she is. She she said, "Look, we've got to do something serious now." So. She <laughs> and I still laugh to this day. She's 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 got some balls, that woman. She said, "Right, we're going to crowdfund a trip for you to go to a healing center and get this nailed." What an extraordinary solution! I know, I know, and and I was just like, oh, oh. And, and so immediately my kind of my programming kicked in because I can't ask people for help. I can't ask people, especially for money. You know, because of my money issues, you know, in the past, and it's kind of, you know, I, I, it, it made me feel physically sick to, to, to have to go crawling to people for money. But she was like, we're doing this. So, well, isn't it funny? Because you view it that way, and yet the ones who hear the story and want to help view it a completely different way. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And and so so she launched this this crowdfunding thing, and the the response from from people was was extraordinary i was like wow, what the hell man i was you know i still i still get choked up thinking about it you know because yeah well you got folks there that don't know you that just because they're good people want to help yeah yeah and 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 people were really you know people go, oh you know i haven't seen him for 10 years i'll give him 100 quid brilliant and a member of my wife's extended family it was a massive amount, like a like a serious chunk of money. I was just like, "What the hell?" 
game on, we can do it. So we had this healing center lined up on, on the island of Gozo in the Mediterranean, just, just above Malta. And we planned it all. And a friend was going to take me over there because, you know, bear in mind, I was, I was weak. I was, you know, I was, I'd gone below seven stone. I was, a, I was a mess. That's pretty light for a fighting weight. That's, that, that is light. You know, you could have flicked me across a room. And how tall are you? Uh, five nine. Yeah, that is light. Yeah. My, my my friends nicknamed me Gollum. So <laughs> well, that's kind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so so that I've picked up that nickname. So uh, yeah, but uh, you know I don't mind. I'd rather have them take the piss, you know, than, and be you know be straight up about it. So so a, a, a real gent of a friend took me over to Gozo. Literally, practically carried me there. Installed me, stayed for you know a couple of days to make sure I was all right in in this in this healing center, and I was like, okay, I'm I'm here. There are people that know what they're doing, you know. It's we're gonna I'm gonna nail this now, and I was kind of sense of relief, even though I was I felt like death. And then it turns out this healing center was a load of bollocks. I'd been lied to by the director of this center. It was an absolute shambles. I had the the head nutritionist there in my room crying <laughs> on my shoulder because she couldn't cope with the stress and, and the way the whole place was run. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, hold on a minute, you're supposed to be helping me and, and you're in here <laughs> crying on my shoulder. What the hell have I got myself into? It was it was it was dreadful because all these people were backing me, um, and I'd started doing a few videos to kind of to update people on on you know oh, I'm going to do this and I'm uh, I'm going to be really healthy and it's all thanks to you guys and and then and this is happening and so you know I was on the phone to the direction saying this what the hell is this horseshit you know this place is absolute shambles nobody nobody has got any idea what that I I knew more than them about health and healing by that stage than, than the flipping nutritional therapist. The whole place was in meltdown. So I was like, okay, there really are no saviors. So I checked out of there. You know, that is such a critical point. That's it. There, yeah. there, there are no saviors. The, you, it's, it's on you. And yes, you can get support off people around you, but you've got to do it yourself. And that's, that's so key to to the whole kind of journey I've been on. So I checked myself out. I checked into an Airbnb, which was an interesting move because this Airbnb was was like basically a freezing cold, long concrete apartment with just kind of bare breeze block walls, which is kind of how it's done. It was the budget end of things then. It was the budget end. So I I survived a few days there until I found a better place, which was kind of further around in a a nice little town called Marcel Fawn. And I I could see the sea from a little porch. And okay, so this this was better. And I managed to get a bit of money back from this. I need to say the name of it then, but from this. (laughs) (laughs) No, this isn't live, by the way, so I can edit. So don't worry. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, So I got a bit of money back and I decided to pay for a series of consultations with Dr. David Klein, which was probably the best move ever because although he's 
he, he's actually dead now, unfortunately. He's quite an, un- quite an unusual character, and he, he, he doesn't suffer fools gladly. So, you know, he really, you know, he really ground down on me, which was, which was difficult because, you know, I was in a real fragile state. But he got me straight and he said, right, this is what we're doing. Boom, boom, and he, we engaged the protocol. And after just three days, all my symptoms had gone. Three days? Yeah, three days. So... How marvellous. No pain, no pain, no bloating, no bleeding. And I was like, oh, this, is, this is extraordinary. And I'd already, you know, in those three days, I'd already started to get a bit of spark back. I was like, you know, it just, it, it just needed a little bit of hope, you know, because I'd had all this, all this nightmare with these idiots at this healing centre. But you say that, and I, and I agree with that. But at the same time, if you hadn't had that, you wouldn't have taken the step you took. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I'm thankful in a way that that it went the route it did, because you, you know you you never know where where the next turning point is going to come from. Exactly. And and quite often you don't really realise at the time that that's even though it's painful, that's beneficial. Well, the other thing is you won't get to that turning point if you're not moving, because you can't steer a parked car. so i started to improve it was great i'd had the the uh you know i'd so i'd speak to him every day on uh i had kind of pretty shonky internet connection so it was uh, it was audio only but i was able to kind of you know i was keeping touch on email and he was checking in with me checking what i'm eating and and we were going through the protocol and I, i i really started to improve and I started to get energy back and I was sitting in my kind of little lounge area and I could see out the window in the distance. There was this kind of hill, I'd say. It looked kind of like a mini mountain, but it's nowhere near a mountain. You know, it was, you know, maybe a couple of hundred feet high with this kind of nice kind of rock arrangement on top. And I'd, I'd, been, I'd been sitting there thinking, oh, I wish I had the strength to go, go up there and look at the view, you know, across the beautiful water you know over towards Malta and and I was okay and and then you know two or three days further along I'm thinking actually I I might I might just go for a walk so I kind of you know go for just kind of bit of scrubland nearby that kind of leads off down to the beach and so I'd go for a walk and then and each day I'd walk further and further and then before I knew it I was like right I'm going for a walk and I just carried on walking and I just, I was walking, you know, I was, I had my head held high and I was like, yes, I, actually, I, I feel quite good. You know, I didn't have a lot of energy, to be fair. Yeah, but you're doing things you've not been able to do in such a long time. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I walked to the top of this hill. Well done you. And I was just like, I was like, this is, this has got to be the best view I've ever seen in my life. Just kind of just, and, it, and the wind was ripping across. It was a bright day, but it was windy. And I just and I just stood there and I was just like, ah, you know, this is absolutely fantastic. And I made a little video up there and sent it back home and everyone was like, oh, go on, good on you. And, and I was like, great, this is brilliant. And I, I started to started to kind of feel that, you know, that it was really, it was really going my way. And then my wife flew out for the last few days. 
and she brought the kids as well. And I didn't know she was bringing the kids. <laughs> so I was at the airport. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd hired a I'd hired a little car from from this guy down a back street. I, I wonder, a little segue. I wandered into this uh, into this bike shop because I thought oh, I'm going to go hire a bike because I'm going to ride around this island. And I said, oh yeah, well I was thinking about hiring a bike. He said, oh well, no, we've got no bikes. He said, you can hire a car if you like. I was like, oh, you know, it's, I was thinking, you know, I need to hire a car for like five weeks. It's going to cost a lot. He said, oh, no, we're, we're cheaper than, you know, the main places at the airport and stuff. And I said, well, how cheap? And he said, 16 euros a day. A bike was like 10 euros a day. I thought, all right, I'll have a car. And I was thinking, what, what kind of car am I going to get for 16 euros a day? And he said, I'll, I'll be back in a bit. So we went off for 20 minutes. He came back with this kind of tiny little car. I don't even know what it was, a Daihatsu or something like that. I swear it was his mom's car or something. But, he, you know, and he said, here you go. And I was like, he said, uh, here's the keys. No signing of forms or anything. And he just, give me the cash, yeah. And I was like, um, I haven't got quite enough cash for the whole time. He said, come back in a few days and give me a bit more and we'll do it like that. And so I was like, okay. So I got this car and I was, you know, tearing off around the island. So... I'd had this little car to go to the airport, so went to the airport. It's uh, kind of waiting there. I think I've seen my wife for ages. You know, this is going to be amazing. At least two heads pop round the corner. It's like, Daddy! Oh, and I was just, I just destroyed me that I did because I had no idea they were coming. And then we just had a, a, a lovely few days, you know, and and because I had nothing to do all day, no one to speak to. I was just driving around the island, you know, oh, where's that road go? Where does that road go? So I knew the entire island, like the back of my hand. And if you've ever, ever been to, to Gozo, the roads are terrible. There's like one good road that they built for the Pope. And then and then the rest <laughs> of the roads are just knackered. I, but I knew all the potholes, you know, kind of, you know, you, know, you, you, never, you never kind of, you know, pay any attention to which side of the road people are driving on, you know. So I took the took my wife and the kids to all the spots I'd there. I found all the little kind of off the beaten track places, which was lovely. And then we came home, and you know, but I, I was you know I was still weak. Yeah, you know, I was I was feeling in terms of you know optimism, but I was still weak. And there was still some issues with with my stoma. Now, when when they did the operation, they said you know you'll be back in a few years' time because the the stoma is always the place that it goes again first because it's you know close to the the surface of your skin and you know that's we always have problems with that so i'd kind of at the back of my mind i'm thinking oh when am i going to have to go and have another bloody operation get all this chop get it resected and reset and and i started to get abdominal pain i was thinking and then I noticed that my stoma had stopped working and I was like, oh, this, this isn't good, you know, but I kind of still carried on and I was still kind of eating and, you know, just, you know, I can't do this again. I I'm literally can't do it again because I was, you know, it nearly killed me once before and it's ground my life to pieces and I'm just, just starting to rebuild it. But I ended up being blocked, completely blocked. So, and I was in a lot of pain by this point. So back into hospital, I go, oh, here we go again, you know. Right. But I know more now. I know more. Okay, we, I can deal with this. I know, you know, I'm, I'm better at 
speaking to doctors and nurses, I can I can hold my ground better. So I end up in hospital. I'm in a lot of pain, you know. I'm kind of bloated out like this because I'd got like a week's worth of food in there and my stoma hadn't, you know, discharged anything. So I'm in hospital, I'm in pain, and they're kind of coming in and say, oh, well, we'll give you some morphine. Okay, well, yeah, give me the morphine because I'm in loads of pain, but, you know, that's going to slow down my gut motility, so that ain't going to get things moving. And they're saying, we can't, we can't, you know, we think you've got a problem with the first kind of six or seven centimetres because they did a scan. Uh, we, th- we think it's it's blocked, you know, because there's some scarring there. I was, okay, so but we can't operate until until you've evacuated everything that's in you. I'm like, it's blocked. How am I going to do that? So I'm lying there, and this, you know, we, I'm kind of like three days in in hospital, and nobody's doing anything. And I said, I need someone to sort this out. And quite by chance, short while later, I saw the original surgeon, the big dog walk past so I yelled out his name and I said you need to get over here so he came striding in and and he took one look at me and one look at the chart and I I said to him I said I need you to do something because I'm getting no traction out of any doctor or any nurse here I'm being I'm being ignored and he he took one look at me and and obviously saw in my face that I wasn't messing about this was this was getting serious because I was you know I was in agony and I was you know, I've got a huge kind of but like bulging gut out here. And I was just kind of welded to the bed in pain and terrified again. I said, I just begged him. I said, you need to do something because this is insane. I'm getting nothing. And then that day, that's when it completely changed. It was just like, boom, boom, boom. You know, the doctors were, he basically went out and just gave everyone an absolute bollocking. Said, you need to sort. So this, so this, this other doctor came in a kind of a younger gastroenterologist and he brought this uh he brought this great big long kind of catheter and he kind of came, came in kind of waving it around like <laughs> I was like oh, right okay and he said okay he was he was he was a nice guy I mean supremely arrogant but quite a nice guy that, that does seem to go with the territory it does yeah yeah and what he was going to do is use his catheter to, to insert in my stoma to get past this kind of this occlusion where the scarring tissue was and then see if he could drain some of the matter out. So this, um, this catheter is kind of uh, like a long pipe and it's got kind of two cavities in it so, so he can inject saline and kind of flush it through. So, so he's, They're like sticking big needles in you, don't they? Yeah, I mean, but this thing was flexy, it was like a hose. Right, okay. With a kind of like a shaped end and a, and a couple of taps on the end so we could attach various uh, syringes and stuff so he slightly slides this thing and i can feel it going in you're not supposed to feel be able to feel your guts but i can i can feel my gut i know where every bit of my gut is and it's sliding it in and then he's injecting this saline and then i see i look down and i see this the kind of the, the kind of stool if you like the matter kind of slowly creeping down this pipe and i'm thinking oh brilliant he's coming out i'm saved and it gets to within about an inch from the end and he just goes oh no it turns it off he goes that's not working i'm like well what are you on about like it was yeah, working to see, me we're looking at the same thing here that's coming out and you've just turned it off tell me you're not going to walk away and he just stood up and he walked away and i was like 
are you having a laugh? This is insane. I'm like, I'm looking down at this thing and then I'm lying on the bed. Then it kind of just, <laughs> it's a bit gross, but there's this big kind of fart. And then this kind of, this tube just goes, it just kind of flops its way out and just slaps on the bed next to me. And I'm thinking, am I in, am I in some kind of, am I in some kind of weird kind of cult movie or something happening here? This is, <laughs> and I'm just like, so, so at this point I'm now desperate. I'm like, and I'm, pissed i am so angry this guy's just waltzed off with his attitude yeah. when it was you know this stuff was starting to shift and i was like right there are no saviors i need a plan so get me some morphine i need to think so the camera they jab me full of morphine and I, I remember just lying there thinking i'm not in pain i'm not in pain this is thinking time actually no it was tramadol not morphine Right. So I was a bit monged. I was going, but I, but but I was still, you know, I was still I was still able to think. So I thought, right, here's my plan. I need to get this matter out of me so that they can resect the stoma and we start again, okay? Because I know the protocol now. I just need this physical blockage to be sorted. So, okay, what have I got? I've got this slimy pipe lying next to me like like an alien's tail and he and he and he used he used a syringe to to put saline in and that worked okay so what i need to do is i need to amass enough equipment to be able to do this myself so i'll get on the phone phone my brother so right i need you to go to my garage and get some tools right (laughs) because i've got to build some kind of machine (laughs) to be able to do this okay got the tools lined up now i need some big syringes some 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 you know 250 mil syringes or 400 mil i can't remember what they were but they're kind of like uh you know they're kind of they're kind of this long and they're fat ones like with a big plunger and a, and a kind of big end like that and i thought well so i went off you know looking around to kind of looking in cupboards and stuff <laughs> yeah. couldn't couldn't find any anywhere you know plenty of kind of you know pads and you know bits of paraphernalia but none of these big fat syringes i needed so i'm looking on ebay and thinking oh God, it's going to take ages to arrive here and you know i thought right well they've definitely got them because they use them so i need to identify the weakest link and i thought right i know who that is i know exactly who that is it's this lovely little chinese nurse who was always just hassled because she she would do the night shift and you know it's a kind of you know there's 25 beds she's looking after so she's rushing around like crazy all the time and she's always like oh yeah i'll, I'll be right there i'll be right there and she I, you know she just goes around saying i'll be right there to everyone i'm not, not even sure she does anything <laughs> anyway so i'm thinking right well she's 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 my target so i called her over i called her over it was kind of you know this was kind of probably nine ten o'clock at night you know lights are starting to be dimmed you know and people are settling down various groaning from the other poor unfortunate souls in my in my ward and i said i need a couple of those uh uh and i said i need i need one of those no i said i need two yeah i need two of those those big syringes can you get me a couple and she went what for and i was like shit i didn't think of that (laughs) i didn't think of an excuse (laughs) so i said uh i just need to kind of draw out some of this matter from my stoma i kind of panicked and just told the truth and she went okay i'll get you a couple <laughs> and off she goes 
10 minutes later, slap on my bed. And I was like, game on. So uh, I'm there. Beauty. <laughs> I'm there. I'm under, under, I've got the blanket, the, the, the sheet over my head. I've drawn the curtain and I'm kind of I'm sawing the end off this this kind of slippery pipe which I've which I've cleaned up and disinfected. And I'm shaping the end because I've got to I've got to actually I've got to actually adjust the end because he'd taken away the bit that kind of attached properly. So I had to kind of re-engineer the end. So I've got it, I've got this, I've got this pipe, I've got my syringes in, I've kind of I've bonded the end of it so it stays. I'm like, I'm set. I just need to wait it out now. So I wait until about two in the morning and I, and I gather, gather up my equipment in my wash bag and I, <laughs> I go off into the toilet. I'm thinking, okay, this is, this is either going to work or you're going to die tonight on the floor of this bog. So I, I arranged all my stuff and I didn't have any saline, obviously. So I'm, I'm using lukewarm tap water <laughs> out of the sink in this hospital. And this, this I appreciate this sounds extreme, but I was in an extreme situation. I was in I was in extreme pain. I had this massive belly, and they weren't going to do anything until this was clear, and they were doing nothing to clear it. So, I, I, what what could I do? What could I do? So, I slide the pipe in. Apologies if this is a bit gross, and I squeeze in the first the first syringe full of warm water out of the sink, and I kind of kind of feel things gurgling around a bit. And I got the other the other syringe fully compressed and I started to draw it out and I started to see the matter come down the pipe. I was like, oh, it's working. <laughs> and I drew it out and I drew a full syringe of shit, basically, and squirted it down the sink. I was like, oh, I need to go in again. So I did it again and again and again. And I withdrew over 45 syringes of matter Good grief. out of me that night. It took me two hours. And halfway through, I got a knock on the door. Are you all right, Mr. Cartwright? You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm just on the loo. <laughs> just, just having a, you know, just having a wash. And, and you know, that was obviously a fine response because I didn't get disturbed again. Brilliant. And I just kept going and kept going. Uh, a couple of times, I kind of felt it. I felt it catch on the inside of my bowel with yeah. with the suction, and and I was like, "Oh no, I've got to back off there." But I, but I, every one I pulled out I was getting more and more relief. And I was just like, "Oh God, this is real. This is you know, okay, it might kill me. I might get a nasty infection, and I could have done, but you know, it was it was it was coming out." So I did all this and then cleaned everything up, went back and I slept for the first time in about a week properly, you know, more than a couple of hours. Woke up the next morning and the doctors came round, did the morning rounds um, and they said, oh, you're looking better. Yes. Um, is your stoma working again? I went, yeah, yeah. It started to work. Yeah. Loads came out. It was great. Yeah, yeah. It was a bit uncomfortable, but yeah, quite a lot came out. And they were like, okay, we're just going to send you for another scan and then we'll see how things are looking. So another scan. Where did you hide your tools you'd made? <laughs> so the, I kept them in my wash bag. Right. In, in, in my kind of night bag, in the kind of cabinet, <laughs> in the cabinet next to the bed, you know. Yep. And this, so this thing I'd, 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 I'd named uh, Le Pipe du Merde. <laughs> 
<laughs> so uh, yeah, that, this was my kind of my prize tool, which unfortunately I lost in the house move because I was going to put it in a, in like a glass cabinet okay. as a kind of <laughs> no, just to remind me there are no saviors. Exactly. Um, so I then had the operation. They said the first kind of seven inches was they'd got scarred up again and was gammy. So they reset my stoma, um, and that was six years ago, I think. And I've never looked back. And my since then, so since if I can go back to Gozo a bit, the key to it was the realization that the psychological side was what was holding me back. I knew the protocol. I knew what it involved, but it was the the psychological side that was holding me back. And when I was in Gozo, because because I had no one to talk to, the only place to go was was in, and that was that was quite traumatic because I started to understand more about my my childhood and teenage teenage years and the various things that had happened and the kind of entrenched responses that I was doing and you know I actually think I had a, an eating disorder you know because I was using junk food to to suppress the pain N- not the physical pain but the emotional pain that I'd buried so deep so my time in Gozo was was the kind of turning point and and the realization that that's the major work is goes on in here and and in my heart not just my guts you know it's 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 got to be everything and i was working on i was working on my guts uh, but it kind of you know i wasn't working on anything above, above my guts uh, we're never taught that stuff and yet that is the absolute key to everything it it, it is it absolutely is and i and i and i really get that now but it i didn't at the time that was the real turning point once they they reset the stone. I was like, right, this is it now. This, this is, this is where it changes. And I'm in excellent health now. I'm strong. You know, I've, you know, my wife and I have started an organic farm and we're building a healing center eventually there. So, you know, we've got, we've got a massive vision and, and the reason that we're doing it is because of the traumas that we've been through both together and, and separately. And, now we see the connection between right from the soil to your to your brain basically and the way all that is intertwined and linked inextricably linked because you can't separate yourself from nature and expect to be healthy no you are nature yeah you know the medical system is an aberration and now don't get me wrong Emergency medicine, great, you know, smashed up in a car crash. The the things that doctors can do is extraordinary. And the drugs that are available are extraordinary. The morphine, for a start, you know, without morphine, there'll be a lot more suffering. But the chronic care in the medical system is horrendous because it doesn't address root cause. It seeks to treat symptoms. Now, the thing about, oh, I should quickly say, so when when they when I had my big operation, they changed my diagnosis to Crohn's disease because there was disease present in my small bowel. The finger is pointed at inflammation when when you have bowel disease. They point at inflammation. Like inflammation is the is the problem. 
you know, we need to stop the inflammation. So it's anti-inflammatories, it's immunosuppressants, because your body is attacking itself. Which you and I both know it's not. Which is, which is horseshit. But it takes, you know, a certain amount of research to really understand why that's not actually true. Inflammation is part of the healing process itself. And <laughs> for all its wisdom, the medical establishment seeks to stop that. It's maddening. And when I realized that, I was like, ah, oh, right. Okay. So basically, you're really good at fixing people up after accidents, but you don't know shit about anything else. And, <laughs> and now it's, you know, it's, it, it's almost a kind of a joke between, between me and my wife. It's kind of, you know, we see something, it's like, oh, yeah, well, obviously, you know, they don't know that, do they? But it's, the problem is, it's, it's, it's the way they're taught. You know, I, I firmly believe that doctors and nurses go into that profession because they want to help people. They want to, you know, they want to make people well. They, want, they don't want people to suffer. I really, you know, so I'm not, I'm not dissing doctors and nurses, but the, the, the system that has been created to teach them is flawed because it won't allow looking into root cause if there's a drug available to deal with it. Now, I'll give you an example of this. So there was another gastroenterologist who, who I became quite friendly with, who was absolutely brilliant. And I used to go and see him from a kind of three monthly or six monthly checkups. And I'd walk in there and he'd go, oh, and bear in mind, he sees, you know, hundreds of patients a week. He just, I don't expect him to remember who I am. And he goes, oh, sit down, Paul. And he's like, so what drugs did you take? None. And he starts reading the notes. He's like, oh, yes. Oh. So, you know, we built up this relationship over time. And, and it got to the stage, you know, where I'd, I'd walk in and go, Paul, sit down. Right. And he'd get his pen and he'd say, now, tell me what is it again you do? <laughs> you know, and I'd go through the process. And they'd say, how, how is it that you're getting better and all my other patients are getting worse? And, and you know, we'd have this little joke and say, I don't take your poisons. <laughs> <laughs> You know, when I kind of explained it to him, he said, look, we, we need to have an off-the-record chat here. I said, yeah, that's fair enough. He said, look, Paul, I see what you're doing. I get it. But I can't do that for my other patients because if I veer off from the protocols that are handed down to me by the trust, then I'm personally liable. So I can't do it. And, I, and you know, it was that conversation. I thought, right, well, I need to do it myself. So I retrained as a nutritional therapist and I help people to to do exactly what I've done which you know is it's simple but it's not easy to do because there are, there are so many factors involved in terms of behavior change and that, and that's the kind of major part of it it's it's the behavior change because you can teach people the facts about the nutrition but and I know from personal experience how difficult it is to change so what I'm doing now is I've Research for 15 years, but I've also got the first-hand personal experience, which is kind of different to, to, to doctors, really, because they learn everything, but, you know, there's, there's not many of them that have, that have been through a crisis. I'm going to suggest that word's erroneous. They're taught everything. Okay, yeah. There's a big difference between being taught and being lear learning something yourself. Correct, yeah, yeah. So you've learned they're taught. yeah. And, and I've learned through kind of bitter experience, you know. It's, Quite. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I've, 
and you know i've 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 become quite good at looking after myself and you know it's been to the edge a few times and there's some you know there's oh, God, a myriad of insane stories you know the things that have happened but where i'm at now is i no longer fear disease because i've cured it and people say oh you can't use the word cured you know because you know the advertising standards agency will come down in head like a ton of bricks well you know you look at the dictionary definition of cured and it's you know the absence of symptoms you know but the disease itself crohn's disease it's not, it's not something you catch. It's definitely not genetic, as far as I can tell. It's obviously, there's still doctors claiming that, but, you know. It's an effect. Yeah, it, it, is, it, is, it is a collection of symptoms because you're damaging yourself and your body's going, I'm trying to heal. You're damaged and you're deficient. And so you're expressing these symptoms. And, and that's ultimately to try and get your attention and they get worse and worse until you either get it or you die if you don't deal with it <laughs> exactly exactly and you you kind of do a little bit and then you kind of then you then you you kind of you think, oh well, I, I won't bother doing that anymore well, oh it's, it's only one kind of pepsi you know mm. and then and then the cricket bat around the back of the head how many times have, have i got to warn you so you know but i've i've learnt my lessons I'm enjoying the fact that I've beaten an incurable disease, you know, a dis-ease, as we refer to it, you know. Ill at ease. Ill at ease, yeah. It's your body saying, there's something you're doing to me which I don't like. Stop doing it, please. It's relatively straightforward. So, yeah. it's As are most things. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, so... I learned about, you know, the bowels and, and Crohn's disease or subcolitis. And I became really, really, really hungry for learning. So I was going, well, what else? What else don't I know? You know, let's look at the cardiovascular system. You know, let's, let's look at diabetes. Let's look at, you know, kidney disease. And the really interesting thing that started to emerge is the solutions for pretty much any autoimmune disease. And I would, I would argue pretty much any non-communicable disease are the same. The solutions are the same. If there are any communicable diseases. Well, quite. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, a, that's a different terrain, shall we say. Well, no, it is a different terrain, exactly, yeah. So, you know, I, I always look at things like you've got toxicity and you've got deficiency, you've got physical damage and you've got belief. And that pretty much sums up the areas to look at in every single case. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So I have a question for you. Yes. If anyone would like to reach out to you, is that something you're open to? Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you have a way of contacting you through a website? My website, I've kind of stayed away from my web. I've, I'll do it. Fine, no, that's fine. But uh, I'm, I'm contemplating putting a couple of sentences on there saying everything's private. Um but my email address like like I've done on mine yeah 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 okay yeah because that's 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 how I need to operate that's well we should all be operating in the private because yeah. then all the public rules don't apply precisely because it depends on your capacity if you're acting in the private it's a different capacity to public you're acting in the public you are going to get trapped on yeah cool okay so, so you've got an email address have you if you 
let me have that and you were open to that, I'll put the links in the show notes back to my webpage and people, if you're interested, will have to go to the webpage to find it. You're not going to find it on YouTube. Is that fair? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I do charge, you know, to, to, for, for consultations because my time is not free and my experience is not free, you know, but it's, you know, it's not a, it's not a you know, thousands. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a reasonable amount of money for my time. And, you know, it's, the, but the thing, the thing I will say is, I can't heal people. No. You've got to, you've got to do it yourself. Yeah, I can hold your hand and I can support you and, and give you the, you know, the knowledge that you need, but I can't do it for you. That, that, and, and that's, that's, that's the real difficult thing because I've, you know, tried to help a lot of people over the years before, before I was a nutritional therapist and people get it. They get how, it's done. But when it comes to that behavior change, that's the most difficult bit. So that's, that's what I coach people with is, is how to actually put the consistency in place. And that's what it's about. It's about consistent behavior. You know, it's not massive sweeping changes. You know, it's changes that are doable that you, that you can then be consistent with over time. And then you get, and then you get the, you know, the compound effect. It, it, it appears that not much is happening, and then, then it hits the curve, and, and you're away. That, that's the key to it. Paul, that's been extraordinary, and it, you, you told a very harrowing story in a very amusing manner, which was delightful. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, you know, uh, I, it, it would be too easy for me to look back and just cry and feel sorry for myself about all the crazy shit that's happened to me. But you know, just like you say, you know the these things have happened for for a reason and it might sound weird to say but i'm actually thankful of, of having crohn's disease because i wouldn't be where i am now I, I wouldn't i wouldn't have the perspective i have now and i wouldn't have the respect for, for this machine that i've been gifted you know to 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 enjoy the world in and i wouldn't be i wouldn't be you know you know setting up a a, a healing center and a farm with you know with my wife it's it just it wouldn't be happening had i not been through these experiences because that was the training that was the training to get me to where i am now and 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 where i'll be in the future it's about helping people who are in desperately shitty situations and in pain and you know kids have crohn's disease now and that's not on man that is not on. in a modern world kids should not be having crohn's disease no. We're going to lose the connection in a couple of minutes if okay. less than a minute actually if there's anything else you want to say if not we can end it here but i want to speak to you on the phone Okay, okay, great. No, yeah. All right. thanks very much case, for having me on. Awesome. No, thank you. That was absolutely magical. I'll call you in a second, mate. Brilliant. Cheers. Thanks, Paul. Cheers. Ta-da. Bye-bye.